Good morning, church. I wanted to let you know a couple of things. I own a watch. And you may have seen your pastor come over and whisper something to me. She was letting me know that, that I needed to be done by two. I promise we'll make it. We'll make it. We'll be done. Uh, the second thing is, as you might have noticed, I, I, I fidget. The choir will notice more because there's a wall here covering nearly all of me. <laughs> she has given me a phone book so I could see over the top. Um, no. But uh, yeah, I'm a, little, I'm a little hyper. I'm a little excitable. And uh, I, I went to Starbucks this morning. <laughs> but I got only half calf, all right? So you're, you're okay. You're okay. I, I, I tend to scare caffeine. Uh, but uh, I, I was driving over here, and I, 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 I must have been excited because I squeezed the cup a little hard, and the lid popped off while I was driving. So if you get too close to me, I don't smell of cologne. I, I smell like coffee. <laughs> I apologize for that. I'm very excited to be in Roanoke, to be in the valley. Um, it was a five-month process that brought us here. Uh, I know you're looking at me, and you're like, he, he can't be that old. Except for, except for the top here, kind of gives things away. I've actually um, been traveling around the southeast, Florida, Tennessee, Texas, Georgia, uh, Kentucky, for 16 years and preaching. Um, nearly, I, I don't know, we tried to add it up the other way. The other day, I, I think somewhere near 2,000 sermons led worship in nearly 1,800 services, uh, seen over 250,000 people. Um, have been blessed. Uh, I've been here four days now in Roanoke. Uh, we don't have a place to live yet, but we're working on it. And uh, I, I think we've come up with an RV for the next few weeks. I'm excited about that. And, um, but I got to be with your teenagers around the state at the uh, Youth Evangelism Conference in Virginia. So I preached uh, Friday morning, I guess, at the Richmond International Motor Speedway uh, to about 12 or 1,300 students. Had a ball. I'm thankful for that. Um, so God has been good and letting a little Kentucky boy, that's where I was born and raised, uh, travel all over, speak to folks. I am excited, I am happy, I am blessed that you would give me the opportunity to, to love on you, to share the word of God with you, to reflect with you before we take, before we this do in remembrance of me. I, I, I know what that means, but who talks like that? When was the last time you, you did that, Pastor? Hey, this do in remembrance. What's that mean? Sounds like Yoda from Star Wars. You know, me do this, remember. You know what I'm saying? We don't, we don't speak that way anymore. Jesus just said, hey, think about me for a minute. Rem remember me for a minute. And so in a short devotion this morning, I don't have three points in a poem. I want to reflect on grace before the meal. We say grace before the meal, don't we? We do that. We stop and we pray. I, I, I grew up Baptist. My grandfather was a Baptist minister. I've been in all kinds of Baptist churches. I, I know the prayer before the meal. because we, we know how to eat. We can do that. We Baptists, we got the eating thing down. The whole eating, meeting thing, we can do that. And it's, God, 
bless this food and nourish our bodies and our bodies to your service. Y'all know that one, don't you? It's like, it's like the re recited prayer. It's going to happen before the ham and the chicken. It's going to happen. My grandfather used to say, do you know what a pastor's belt is? It's a leather fence for a chicken graveyard. That's what it is right there. I don't have a belt, but I like me some chicken. I do. We say grace before the meal, we know it, but even grace, has it not become something recited? I mean, really? I, I do not mean to be sacrilegious. Please don't take that this way. But when I was five and six years old and my father was a Sunday school teacher. We would get to church like way early. Dad thought it was his calling to make the coffee. If he did not make the coffees, the, the, the pastor couldn't preach that day, you know? So we were at church at like, you know, 5.30. Four hours before anything would happen. But when I would come in and I would see that big white sheet over the table in front, you know what I thought? I thought two things. Short sermon. Hallelujah. And hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> I did, man. When I was finally old enough to take communion, it was one of the worst things in the world for me because I got to taste that cracker. <laughs> that ain't right, church. We need to salt the cracker, Pastor. <laughs> I was six year old, I was about this tall. <laughs> put that cracker in my mouth, it sucked all the water out of my body. <laughs> and then they thought it was funny to give me a half a shot glass of grape juice. <laughs> okay, I was six. I never grew up. <laughs> but here's the thing. Do we remember? Is it crackers and grape juice? Is it bread and wine? Is it one Sunday every quarter? One Sunday every week? Is it a moment where we know the process and we know how to do things and that's all right with us? Or do we remember? I chose to, to go back to a story that I read years ago as a summer missionary in Muhlenberg County, Kentucky. And I remembered reading the story, and I chose this morning to read a passage right before the supper. And so I don't want to talk this morning about the prayer before the meal, grace. I want to talk about the grace Jesus showed before the meal. That's what I want to talk about. See, the washing of the feet is another ceremony, right? It's another thing that we do, another thing that we reenact, another thing that we have come to know as a servant's action. I remember when I was going to be on the council for the BSU then, the Baptist Student Union at my college. It's the BCM now, Baptist Collegiate Ministries. Same thing. That somebody told the story of the president the year before, coming into the first meeting and bringing a basin and a towel and washing all the feet of the, of, of, of the rest of the council. And I thought, that's so neat. It's so neat. What a, what a display of leadership. What a display of servanthood. That's what Jesus would do. You know, he got his bracelet on. What would Jesus do? That's it, man. 
that's not all it was. When you read the story of Jesus washing the feet, for what it really was, it's not comfortable for us. It's not just a, a religious action for us. It's not just something he did. He was at the table with his, the best of his friends. He was less than 24 hours from dying. He was less than three or four hours from a march up a hill to a garden where he would ask not 12, but the three of his closest friends to stand by him, to be there for him. And as he would pray, they would sleep. As he would bleed, sweat, they would snore. These are the guys laughing, cutting up, sitting at the table. Worse than that, at the table at this time, you know what they would do? They would begin a petty argument about who is the best. I'm the vacation Bible school coordinator. I'm the chairman of the deacons. I give the most money. I wear the best clothes. I have been in this church for 77 years. Who will sit at the right hand of God? Oh, we laugh, but do we do this? You can't be talking to me, little preacher man. You haven't known Jesus as long as me. This is what they did. This is what they did at, at the Lord's Supper. Argued about who would sit closest. Like a couple of children arguing over the front seat of the car. It's my turn. No, it's my turn. No, it's my turn. No, it's my turn. Now, I know that's not the way you want to see it, but isn't that what happened? They argued. There's a towel hanging on the wall. There's a set of servants' clothes hanging on the backside of the door. There's a wash basin sitting over in the corner. And while they argued, they didn't notice. But Jesus did. Those who should have served bickered. And the one who should have been served went to the door, put on the clothes, went to the basin and picked it up. And the master walked to his disciples. And he began to wash their feet. He began to pull the grime from between their toes. Now, we don't want to hear this, do we? You don't want to hear that Jesus was a child. We don't want to hear that God was born in a manger. We celebrate it, but we don't want to talk about the fact that there were cows and there was uh, manure and there were sheep and it stunk where God was born. We don't want to talk about that. We want to keep our religion pristine. We want to keep it holy. We want to wear our best clothes. But listen, he was real. He probably had acne. You don't want me to say that, do you? <laughs> Jesus had zits. You don't want to hear that. Was he a teenager? Yes, he was. That, that's why he is to be loved. And the word became flesh. Listen. We don't have the right to differentiate. We don't have the right to pick the Jesus 
things we want and the Jesus things we don't. That's what Jesus did in the seven woes. Woe to you, you Pharisees of the law and teachers, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. The King James says, these ye ought have done and not leave the rest undone. Do you understand, church? The religious leaders of Jesus' day were just like us. They wanted to pick and choose the things they liked about the scripture and neglect the things they don't. Oh, praise God for you. You give a 10% tithe. Praise God for you. You show up on Sunday morning. Praise God for you. You came on Wednesday night too. But what happened to love your neighbor? What happened to do unto others as you would have them do unto you? What, what happened? If it doesn't fit our walk and our talk, Oh, we'll exalt the things that we like to do for Jesus. But when somebody calls us out for some little petty thing, we shrug it off. Matthew 23, 23. Jesus said, man, I'm thankful. But that's not all I ask of you. And it's not pretty for us to watch our Lord get down to the feet of Peter, the one who would deny him hours from this moment. Philip, the one who was given a verbal test and failed. Hey, we can feed him with these five fish. Surely not, Jesus. And I think it's, I think it's worth looking at the next verse. Verse 12, here's what verse 12 says. When he had finished washing their feet. You know what that means, folks? At this time, there were still 12, weren't there? And if he finished, what's that mean he did? He washed the feet of Judas. The one who hours from this very minute would hand him over to be crucified. The one whom the devil had prompted. Unless I wash you. Peter tried to say, no, 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 no. Listen, unless I wash you. Church, unless we are able to say we're dirty, unless we allow the only one who can clean us, to clean us from the inside out, we will never be truly clean. Andrew, Philip, Peter, Judas, like it or not, that's us. Like it or not, that's us. We need to be clean. We need to be washed. And as bad as it is, we've got to allow Jesus to get the dirtiest, grossest, smelliest parts of who we are and allow him to wipe them, to wash them white as snow. Grace, regardless the cost.
without condition and without judgment. Grace displayed before the meal. So as you take the bread and the cup this morning, in remembrance of what? You can remember the cross. That's great. I encourage you to remember the tomb. I think that's greater. I don't mean to offend anyone here, but we've made the cross the symbol of our faith. But Paul said, I believe in Jesus Christ and the power of the resurrection. Now, I don't know how we're going to wear that on a necklace, but I think our symbol needs to be a hole. You with me? The cross is fantastic. But everybody dies. Jesus got back up. The power is not in the death. The power is in the resurrection. You can remember those things. But I think when Jesus broke the bread, he was saying, watch me. Love me. Be me for the world. Remember how I loved, honored, knelt before, and showed grace to you. And when your enemy when your backstabbing friend, when your family that has betrayed you, when that person voted differently than you in a church business meeting, when those kids are a little too loud or they run through the sanctuary, remember the grace. Do these things as you remember me. So before we take the bread and the cup this morning, I know it's tradition to pray, to say grace. Maybe this morning we're silent for just a moment and we listen for the water splash in the basin. We attempt to feel the towel run over the top of our feet and under the ball of our foot. And we look around for the 12 shell-shocked faces in disbelief that their God would do this for them and that he still does this for you.